Hi everyone, welcome to another Wednesday Connect at Home. We are so glad that you joined us tonight. Are you super pumped, buddy? Yeah, yeah me too. We have some really fun stuff planned for you tonight. tonight and we hope that you enjoy. We miss you a lot. But want to know that you're here with us tonight. So if you don't mind, would you check in on the app? Or you can email us at students at ward.church. Or if you're watching this on your computer, send us a hello in the chat so we know that you're here. We love, we you, love you and miss you and all. And we miss you all. So sit back, relax. Here comes Wednesday Connect. My name is Rachel Garethy. I'm the Assistant Director of Ward Students, and I'm so glad you are joining us tonight for Wednesday Connect. All throughout the week, we have both middle and high school Connect Groups meeting. If you are not yet connected, please email us at students at ward.church. We have some fun things coming up next Tuesday, May 26th. 
we will be hosting trivia. Middle school, you'll meet us on Zoom at 12 noon. And high school, we will see you at 2.30. An email will be sent out with a link for trivia on Tuesday morning. Be on the lookout. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Connect Games. I'm Austin, and I'm your host. I've got two contestants. Let's meet them. My name's Chloe, and I went biking with my friends this week. My name's Mark. I'm the leader, and this weekend I baked brownies from scratch. First time doing that, actually. Well, brownies sound really great. I also could go for a bike ride. That sounds fantastic. Well, today we're going to play the hand emoji challenge. If you've never heard of the hand emoji challenge, basically what it is, is uh, I'll be holding up a sign that has a series of emojis and you will be following those hand emojis with your hand. An example would be the punch emoji, then the thumbs up emoji, then the peace sign emoji. I need to see those clearly on the screen. There are 24 emojis to go between. You will be racing against each other. Everyone got that? Great. As you can see, my normal background over here uh, got a little wonky. So deal with it. Okay, I'm gonna hold up the emojis and say go. And you'll be racing against each other. Whoever gets through them the fastest wins the game. Not sure what the prize is, but thanks for playing. All right, here we go in three, two, one, go. Looks like Chloe has the lead. Here comes the tough one. Live long and prosper. Okay. Looks like Chloe takes the lead. Well done, Chloe. Let's go to the winner. Chloe, you won the Ward Students Hand Emoji Challenge. How does it feel? Um, kinda good. You had a little rough there with the uh, live long and prosper. That's definitely a tough one. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for playing. I'm Austin, your host of Connect Games. Have a great rest of the week. Bye. Wow, I'm really excited to read my new book every day. Oh my gosh, quarantine is so fun. I can't wait to make you lunch every day. Mom, I cannot explain to you how exhilarated I am to be hanging out with you every single day of quarantine. Man, am I excited. I love my family. They're the best. This is a great book. Kids, lunch is ready. Mom, where's my food? You guys are the worst. And welcome back to Arts and Crafts with Gracie. So today we're trying to make a serene scene during these times of stressfulness and uncertainty. So what we're gonna start off doing is taking your goober green and you just wanna make some nice, some nice happy 
little leaves. Imagine the wind rustling through your leaves. Try to make some nice branches for the morning birds. Now once you're done with that, you're going to want to take your doo-doo brown. Now, when taking your doo-doo brown, some people like to take a lot of doo-doo, maybe a little bit of doo-doo, but I say a little dab of doo-doo will do ya. Nice long trunks. Now it helps me make these trunks during this quarantine time is imagining the countless number of empty toilet paper rolls that my brother leaves me every single time. I happy, happy, happy little trees. Happy little trees. Now, I know what you're thinking. Gracie, how am I ever going to be as good of a painter as you? Besides my 10 years of art school, what I would say is imagine the masters like Leonardo da Vinci or Vincent van Gogh, Squidward Tentacles, or really any of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and try to embody their spirit to your hand, to the paintbrush, and to the canvas. Once you're done with that, we're going to move on to the last and the most important part of this. And that is your self-portrait. And what you're really trying to do here is not just, not just embody yourself physically, but also emotionally and trying to get the true soul of yourself. I know you have to try to get the true colors of yourself onto this canvas. It can be hard to do sometimes, but true artists, oh my, oh my goodness. This is, this is amazing. Now, if you really want to get your emotion, all you have to do is just Phenomenal! <laughs> Can you just see the emotion popping out at you? I, this, this is art. <laughs> cut the cameras, cut the cameras. Why is Romans 8 the greatest chapter in the Bible? Romans 8 is so dense and so constant in good news, the good news that is so great and so glorious and so vastly superior to all other good news that you can scarcely feel the force of the good news until you take every verse and turn it into a statement of the good news. Hey everyone, welcome to Wednesday Connect. If you're new, Towards students, my name is John, and I'm so excited to share with you tonight on this subject of the greatest chapter from the greatest book. We're in the series where we're looking at Romans chapter 8, uh, paragraph by paragraph. You know, tonight we come to a place in Romans 8 that uh, we get to look at a few statements that, that Paul makes here to the, the church at Rome that I believe have the potential to change our lives. These statements are, they're actually some of the biggest statements in the Bible. You know, these statements are if-then statements, and, and we all 
understand what an if-then statement is, right? An if-then statement is, is simply that if you do this, then this will happen, right? I mean, it's, it's very, very easy to understand. Some of them are, are written down. You know, some are, are written down and they're broad and they're general for, for everyone. Our laws are if-then statements in a way. You know, if you break the law, if you murder, if you steal, if you do this, then you will face this consequence, some are not as general. Some are more specific to individual families. You know, my, my parents were big believers in spanking, so I heard a lot growing up. If you do that again, I'm going to spank you. You know, there, there are some that are verbalized like that. If, if you do that, I, I will this. And then there are some that are unspoken. I knew that if I hit my sister, then I would get a spanking. So I, I didn't hit her with my hands. I was more creative than that. I, I would throw things at her and I had a pretty good arm, so that probably hurt worse than a punch anyways, but you know, actually that led to a spanking too. But but that's beside the point. That's 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 not what I what I'm saying. You know, you know, we all understand if then statements. Not all if then statements are bad. Some are good. You know, we tell our kids a lot that uh, if you eat vegetables, then you will get dessert. You know, the, the point I, I'm making is that, that, yes, we all understand this concept of if-then statements. And, and in this passage here, uh, Romans 8, there are three really big if-then statements. And for the next few moments, I, I want to look at those three statements and see what this means for us. And to help us out, my friend Caden is, is going to read the scriptures for us. So then, brethren... We are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if you are the spirit, you are putting to death the deeds, your body, you will live. For all who are being led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of salary leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we carry out. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so we may also be glorified with him. You know, the first if then statement we see right away is is verse is in verse 13. You know, it says that if we live according to the flesh, you are going to die. That's very harsh, right? But what does this mean to live according to the flesh? It's it's doing what you want, living according to your desires, your will. Ultimately, we boil this down to sin, and, and we understand that the the consequence of sin is death. And this isn't a new concept. It's something that, that has been throughout the Bible. Paul himself has actually just said this a couple chapters ago in Romans chapter 6. He says that the, the wages of sin are, are death. It didn't begin with Paul. He, he didn't do this. We can read this throughout the Bible. Really, I mean, at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2, God told Adam, if you eat this fruit from this tree, you will die. There has been consistency throughout the Bible in this reality that sin causes death. 
See, when we think of sins, we think of bad actions or bad thoughts. And what this is talking about is is more than just doing bad things or thinking bad things or saying bad things. It's living in a way that isn't surrendered to God's will. Sometimes good things are bad for you. See, Dr. Pepper is amazing, but too much of it is... Actually, never mind. There's no such thing as too much Dr. Pepper. Chocolate. Chocolate is good, but too much of it is bad for you. See, we understand that, that good things can be bad for you. And, and that's, that's, oh, we, we can see this in this instance here in Romans 8, that it's not just bad things. It's the, anything that takes precedence over God. That's a sin. If, if you lean into your desires, good or bad, over God's desires, it's sin, and that leads to death. This is what it means to live according to the flesh. Anything that isn't completely aligned with God's will doesn't necessarily mean it's bad or wicked. See, I, our minds take it there. It just means that, that we are more concerned with what we want than what God wants. And we, we have not surrendered our will to his will. And, and we are living according to our flesh, our desires, our will. And so then right after that, Paul makes the, the second if-then statement. He says that if, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And it seems kind of like it's the other side of the coin to the last one, right? But it's, it's actually different. It's not if you live according to the Spirit, you'll live. That's what we want to make it out to be. But this is different. It's deeper. It says, if you put to death the deeds of the body, if you kill sin, if you, if you defeat your sins, your desires, those things that, that, have not, that, that you have not submitted to God's will and, and lordship in your life, if you are, are, are willing to, to forsake your will, those things that you want for the will of God, those things he wants, that's when you will live. And it says in here, by the Spirit, you. It seems almost opposing. Is this the Spirit? Is it you? Is it this joint effort? How does this work? You know, the, the Spirit does it. You just lean into the Spirit. You submit and surrender to the Spirit. You set your mind on the things of the Spirit, as we saw last week. And the Spirit kills the deeds of the flesh. When I was in second grade, we lived in Augusta, Georgia, home of the masters. That's right. My dad pastored a church there. And uh, one day there was a, a pool party for the, the youth group. And somehow I went as a second grader. But either, either way, uh, there's this guy in eighth grade who kept jumping into the pool and knocking everyone off of their floats. And he thought it was hilarious. And at one point I happened to be on a float and he jumped in and knocked me off. And I, I went under and he ended up on top of me and I couldn't get up. And finally, finally, he, I got out from underneath him and, and I, I came up and the first thing I did when I got up was punch him right in the face. I was a second grader who punched an eighth grader in the face and he did nothing. And a few moments later, I, I noticed he was crying and I started feeling good about myself. I was like, that's right, mess with me again. And then someone informed me what happened. See, while I was underwater, my brother, who's six years older than me, apparently... He hit the guy a couple times, and that's what knocked him off of me, and and probably what really bothered the guy, not my punch, but but I thought it was me, right? And so when 
When we submit to the Spirit, the Spirit begins to defeat those things that are causing harm in our lives. And it, and it can look like it's us. Because the way the Spirit works is by giving you the strength to resist. The, the Spirit changes your desires and it looks like you, you've changed your desires. And the, the more you surrender to the Spirit, the more you are aligned with the will of God, the more your flesh and your will and your desires begin to die because the Spirit does it in you and for you. Why? Because we're now sons and daughters. He says sons here, not because of a a sexist thing, but it is significant that he only says sons. If you notice in the next couple verses, he does say children. But the significance in saying sons here is that, that he is referencing the benefits of the firstborn son. See, the firstborn son received double what all of the other children received. And so what Paul is saying is that that to God, we are special, that we are in a special place. And it it leads us to this next if-then statement. It says in verse 17, he says, uh, If if children also heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. If we suffer with him, we will receive the inheritance of Christ. And this doesn't mean that we have to reach a certain level of persecution to receive his inheritance. It's, it is the action step in this. This is, this is what you do. It's, it's referencing the, the suffering that's involved in putting to death our flesh. This is is talking about you going to war with your desires and your will, killing them, killing your desires, your flesh. It hurts. It hurts to deny yourself. It hurts to, to not do some of those. It hurts to submit your will to God's will. There is suffering. There is loss. But this is what Paul is saying. If you suffer, if you are willing to lean into the spirit and, and away from yourself, Jesus, Jesus said it this way, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. See this, take up your cross. This isn't a, a peaceful thing. This is a death to self, death to my desires. And this is what we have to realize. There is suffering, not just from persecution or trials, but from denying yourself. It can hurt. It can be difficult and hard, but... There is a reward. You receive the inheritance of Christ. It isn't simply saying that that you get to go to heaven. That's great. Don't get me wrong. But there's more to this. You are now a child of God. This is a position of power and privilege. See, we can fall into the temptation to, to see that our surrendering to his will is, is like becoming a robot or a slave. But Paul, Paul says here, he says that, that God doesn't make us slaves, but sons and daughters. We've been given the spirit of adoption by, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This word Abba here is it, an affectionate term for father, like dad or daddy or pops. You know, we're, we're given access to God in this new intimate way as a child, 
And see, one big difference between a slave and a child is how they approach you. A slave approaches in fear. A child approaches in reliance. A, a slave is, is scared to disobey. A, a, a slave is fearful, but a child relies on your help and your provision. And this is the image that, that Paul really wants us to have, that we are to approach God as a child with reliance and submission to his protection and provision. And we do this by submitting to his will and leaning into the spirit, letting the spirit kill your flesh, surrender your will to his will. And yes, it, it may hurt, it will hurt, but there is a reward. And we see in the next verse, verse 18, that those sufferings that we feel now are nothing compared to the glory that we'll feel in heaven or with God. There is this if then that if we live according to the flesh, there's death. And that's not just just a physical death. Yes, this it is talking about a physical death, but there is also this relational death with you and God that that our sins, the, the Bible says in Isaiah 59, that our sins ha- have separated us. There is something between us. And Psalm, it says that we, uh, if, if I regard iniquity in my heart, I can, or you cannot hear me. That there is, there is a relational death in sin. But if we put to death those sins, those things of the flesh, anything that is not submitted and surrendered to God, you will live, not just the, you will live in heaven. Yes, that's a reality and that's awesome, but we will live in all of its fullness. John 10, 10, I've come that may have life and to the full. And we do this because, because we are now his children, his sons and daughters, and we can approach him as sons and daughters. Like my kids come to me and say, dad, will you whatever they want, whatever they need, will you give this? And they're pretty confident that I will do it. This is big, big stuff. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you love us, that you're good to us. I thank you that you have adopted us into your family, God, and given us the privileges and the position of of promise and privilege and power that Christ has with you. Help us to realize that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.